Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and uh, these people, man, they just keep showing up. Like I think they're they're doing their own penance by showing up. Uh, my good friends? Question mark? No, they're definitely my friends. Lieutenant Commander Eric and Lieutenant Commander David. What's happening, fellas? How's your penance going? Yeah, I mean, you know, the penitent man, whatever. Indiana Jones quote you tried to pull out earlier before we started recording pop mm. culture references. The penitent, the penitent man kneels before God so he doesn't get his head chopped off by a giant axe. That's true. <laughs> That's so true. Penitent man kneels. Deal. <laughs> oh Lord have mercy. Yes, we are going to be talking about this here episode of Star Trek Picard penance. But before we get to that, let's. Talk about the weekend. How's the weekend been going since uh, we were discovering some things together? No, not too bad. I watched a soccer game in the snow. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. It was it was freezing. It was it was literally freezing. It was you know, it was fun, but it was also extremely cold. Love it. <laughs> very, very cold. I love it. Did did Columbus at least win to make it worth yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, they uh, beat Toronto two one. So it, awesome. it was it was a good game, but like there was uh, not much uh, overall enthusiasm from the majority of the stadium because everybody was just cold. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. Any uh, fifty cent hot dogs to keep you warm at all? Well, it was not a fifty cent hot dog. It was about a six dollar hot dog, and yes, there was, and it was a chili and cheese and Frito hot dog, that mm. was much better than the ones I normally get at like you know baseball games. But it was still very nice. Good. Very yes, good. Not not fifty cents. <laughs> Definitely not fifty cents. Nothing in that stadium is cheap. It, it <laughs> never is, right? No. It never is. No, we went. I mean, we went to see the Batman last night. And like the bottle of Dasani water at the at the Alamo Draft House was six dollars. That sounds about right. It was like six dollars for a bottle of water. I mean, oh it was boy. like the it wasn't like the twenty ounce. It was like a little bit bigger. Maybe it was a a liter, like a liter. or something. Yeah, but yeah. it's six dollars. Yeah, yeah. I do like me some Alamo Draft House. By the way, those those are nice. They're real nice. The food's not half bad either. Uh, the only food you should ever get, you shouldn't be getting like pizza and hot wings and steak and stuff like that at a movie theater. You should be getting like popcorn and candy. That's it, popcorn. as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Well, we know we know David's a popcorn fiend when it comes to movies. It's like, it's 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 part of like the experience for him. So I Eric, was actually, what? I was actually gifted a Death Star popcorn maker this weekend. Nice. Nice. It does a pretty good job too. <laughs> uh, no, but you, I mean, but like you can't be getting like gourmet food delivered to your seat in the theater. That's just wrong. As far as oh, I'm concerned. Oh, but you can. I, yeah, I mean, I've I, done that before. It's, yeah, there, there's a couple wrong. places in Columbus. Like, I mean, the movie theater is for junk food. Like, come on, bro. Bro, it's like you went, I'm gonna you take you out Alamo for Draft a nice. House. Listen, I'm gonna take you out for dinner and a movie, but we're only going to one place. <laughs> That's not right, <laughs> dude. You're the one that went to freaking Alamo Draft House. Okay, you should be well, mad at it yourself. Had, it had the IMAX showing at the correct time that worked. Okay, so what we learned here 
is that you should not go to Alamo Draft House because you don't want a cheeseburger or potato wedges or pizza or whatever. You just want like the basic. But I wanted like, the IMAX. <laughs> I wanted sure. all, but not all. <laughs> Give me all of it. Just a little bit less than all of it. <laughs> Give me all of the movie experience. I don't need all the other stuff. Okay, so what I was what I was trying to get at is that David is a popcorn guy with a concession. Okay, so Eric, what's your concession order whenever you go? Like regardless of whether it's Alamo Draft House or anywhere else, what's your concession order? Uh, I usually most of the time I don't. If I'm going by myself to the movie theater, I usually don't get anything. Okay, because I don't like to be distracted. And I especially don't like to get anything to drink because I have to use the bathroom a lot, and especially mm. for a three-hour-long movie like that. I'm like, I'll just die of thirst. Well done. I'd rather perish. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like when Avengers Endgame came out a couple of years ago. I was like, I'm not drinking anything for at least three hours before the movie starts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, did you ever see like Lord of the Rings in, in theaters or anything? I did, yeah. Uh-huh. Man, that that had to been that had been interesting. Yeah, you know, same thing, right? Just prepare, make sure yeah. you don't don't drink anything for a while before you go to the movies. Gotcha. So when my wife and I usually go, like, she's the one that's the popcorn fiend. Like, it's always popcorn with her. Does she and lather the butter on there? Yeah, man. Like we, like we're like super fatties when we do it. Like we get like the straw <laughs> and everything, and like we put like the straw like deep in the the bucket or the bag or whatever, so that it gets in there. Like we mix so it all you can up. Squirt like we, the butter to the bottom of the. Yes, <laughs> yes, and then we do it on top, and like that's how we do the popcorn. And um, like I'll have like a little bit of her popcorn, and usually we'll get like a large. Um, soda or whatever and it's usually like dr pepper and if they don't have dr pepper inevitably it's that mr pib stuff like is mr pib okay i guess i guess <sighs> and my and the thing that i've always uh purchased whenever i go get like concessions at the at the theater and i always get weird looks for this and i don't care it's good raisinets or whatever they're called like if they don't actually have raisinets like the just chocolate covered raisins in general like that's that's just part of like my little ritual or whatever going to the, to the theater. I used to like snow caps when I was a yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah, those chocolate discs with the the, the sprinkles the sprinkles on top. Yeah. yeah. There was a there was a time, and I remember I remember us talking about this. By the way, there was a time when I used to get like a pickle and raisinets at the theater, but living in the Midwest for a decade, like they don't serve pickles. So I just kind of got used to not having them anymore. So uh, do you remember did, like, you remember like a crunch bar, right? Did yeah. they, did, was that a thing where they made like crunch pieces though? Yes, right. They did. It wasn't a crunch yeah. bar, but it was in little pieces. They yeah. still, they still have them periodically. What was that? What was, the, what was that called? Like just Nestle crunch bits or something like that. Yeah, something Crunch like that. pieces, right. something like that. Okay. So that was what I like to get back in the day. Okay. That's solid. I miss I miss the Butterfinger BBs. Those were good. Yeah, man. Those little Butterfinger balls. And the Butterfingers nowadays do not taste like Butterfingers used to. They change it up. It's not the same. Well, they're not made with fingers anymore. I exactly. Mean, let's be real. And I love some fingers. That's right. <laughs> you love yourself some thumbs mm. on a drive. 
Well, well, well. Okay. So, uh, now that we've talked about movies some, uh, this was... Let, let's, let's talk about how cinematic this was, okay? So, goodness. Y'all, let's, let's talk Trek. Okay, we're about to go into spoilerific territory. Talking about Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 2, Penance. And holy shnikes was this cinematic. Uh, so, kicking this thing off, we pick up right where we left off with, uh, with Q and Picard there at the vineyard. And, you know, Q being Q kind of telling him, like, they're, like, talking, like, trying to, like, figure out, like, Picard's trying to figure out, like, what the heck's going on. And um, I just love how, I just love how Q said provincial. Like, I just thought that was, like, just a nice touch. That just made me giggle just a little bit. Um, but then, like, just seeing how violent he turned um, so quickly, like, actually giving Picard a bloody nose and Picard, like, realizing along the way, like, oh, you're not well. Like, something's wrong with you, dude. No, but I, I thought this this felt like Q, right? It wasn't it, it wasn't the, the jokester. Mm-mm. He was more serious. But I still felt the dialogue was, like, exactly what you would have seen on a Next Generation episode 25 years ago. Right? He's, oh, the Stargazer. How provincial of you to think like that. And all the dialogue was just fantastic throughout this whole scene. Agreed. It was so yesterday's Enterprise. Yes, it was. Yes, and and it was through a dark glass. Through a mirror darkly. <laughs> darkly. I, I, I was intentionally trying to get it wrong. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I agree with Eric. It actually felt extremely like Q, but um, I, I, I mean, I have a theory about where this is all going, and I can say it now or I can say it later, but it all sort of ties into this beginning part. Then let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it, David. Okay, so... I think that the whole thing with Q and Picard was never a mistake. It was never a chance. It was never a game. It was never uh, just happenstance. It was purely based upon, and it really had nothing to do with humankind either, this trial. And it was strictly a trial of Picard. Because now, perhaps, we are coming to the, in quotations, end of a Q and the potential passing to a new Q in Picard. And all this time has been Q building up for his own successor. Because we've had other other folks that they've brought into the continuum over the years that haven't really worked out. But Picard has always been one that or that Q has come back to and tested and continues to test. And we also have the loop that Picard is also technically dying. He has a finite amount of life. At the end of season one, they said he's effectively going to live out the natural course of his life, which isn't much longer. Yeah, even Even with the synthetic synthetic body. body. Yeah. So at that point, you have a continuation of Picard, effectively forever, as potentially a Q, but Q handpicking his own replacement. Hmm. No, I think I think that's an interesting theory because Picard even says, "Q, you're not well. Like something is wrong with you." 
And if you watch the ep- this episode of The Ready Room, which I know, David, you, you did because you've never, you've never seen I it. I did watch this, by the way. John, John Delancey is Will Wheaton's guest. And John Delancey says something to the effect of, like, this is not Q, like, testing humanity. This is straight up Q looking to Picard and saying, this is, this is all about you right here. Whereas... You know, in Encounter at Farpoint, it was humanity is a grievously savage race that has to prove itself. But then even if you go to um, uh, All Good Things, it's not really that. It's not really a test of humanity at that point. That's like putting Picard to a test. And so I, I think this this idea that you're saying really kind of makes sense. Well, and, and another wrinkle in that, and this is kind of something that's played out in a lot of different literature and mediums, is that the person who oftentimes strives for power is the uh, least likely to deserve it, but those who don't seek out power are the one, you know, power or influence or whatever it is, uh, are oftentimes the, the deserving of it. And I think that this is Q's last attempt this season to make sure he is making the right choice before he makes it. And again, could be completely wrong. That could be too grand scheme, but like, you know, why? Why, it, why is the reason we're doing one last test for, for Picard? Or, well, Picard and friends. So, I want, let, let's get about not, there. It's not a test. It's not a trial. It's a penance. And he's like, Picard, I've seen you change in every way except the one that really matters. Right? Which what is the one way that really matters? Heart change? I don't know. It's an interesting theory. I like it. I just... I And, and Eric, you, you kind of asked the question before we started recording. Without more what I would assume is eventual context. I personally thought that the, the whole sort of dialogue between Picard and Q here at the very beginning, while great, it, it felt good to watch, felt also slightly nonsensical. It didn't, it didn't feel like we had enough context to truly like see like, so why does Picard have to pay anything? Why are we going to, you know, we, <laughs> Chase already said spoilers. But why are we rolling into a, in quotations, future where we're under this sort of militaristic rule and essentially Picard was mm-hmm. the one to usher in conquest of all alien civilizations? Why are we going here? It's not a, penit- uh, a penitence for, uh, for this Picard's actions because we're not dealing with this Picard. We're just dealing with the Picard that we know from whatever, if we want to call it prime timeline or the timeline that we're familiar mm-hmm. with. So... You're right. I mean, what what is the penitence? I mean, what what does Picard have to effectively pay in order to, I mean, whatever answer Q or something like that? And it, if it becomes as simple, and and I would think it's it's fairly lame as like, but Picard, you never learned how to love, or you never let yourself be. It's like I swear to, I will slap you. Yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> I hope that's not it. it it's like power of heart. <laughs> We're the planeteers. You, you get a monkey at the end. <laughs> I just I think it would be interesting in a cosmic sense 
where Picard, in his way, when he was young, and we've seen this, he was arrogant. And he even shows arrogance along the way, too. And he's learning and he's growing even in his older years still. But he still has the mark of, you know, who he is just at his core. Getting stabbed in the heart d- doesn't mean that, you know, you lose all arrogance and you're completely humble forever and ever. Right. That's just not how people are built. But I think cosmically it would be far more interesting if Q, you know, sort of were to pass on the gift. But again, seeing Q as potentially unwell, I think is potentially one of the more interesting things uh, in all of this. And, and it's it's non-canon, but we read that Q book recently yeah. the, uh, with Trelane. Yeah. And the fact that they sort of equate Qs to almost galactic guardians against mm-hmm. chaos, so to speak. And while I don't know if that's something that isn't really ever going to or is embraced anywhere in canon, the fact is is that they are omnipotent. They are clearly doing something behind the scenes. They're not just, you know, at least I hope they're not just sitting because what a waste of omnipotence. But I don't know. That was just the theory. That was something that I thought about as I was sort of running through the end of the episode. And and again, it kind of lines up into the fact that, you know, Picard doesn't, he can't live forever. He doesn't necessarily have that much left. And I got to say, just one more quick note. Um, the uh, Patrick Stewart's acting here, like sort of as he's being hustled from station to station, so to speak. And he's like huffing and puffing. And you kind of see like the old man coming through a lot. It's it's actually, it's really sad. Like I I find this to be a very sad thing. Not because, you know... It's not a washed-up actor. It's not like bringing back somebody for the sake of bringing him back. It's just like we are seeing a very old Picard that we followed for such a long time, and, mm-hmm. it, and it's it's sad. Right. I mean, I think the character of Picard was born uh, what Labar France twenty three oh nine, I think. Yeah, he's, so he's ninety years old. Yeah, he's 90-plus years old. It, like, we're now officially in the year um, uh, 2400, 2401, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, like like Guinan said in the last episode, like, yeah, you're pushing a century for crying out loud. Um, and him doing as well as he is. There was, um, there was one particular shot that I was in a love-hate relationship with. And it was... It was uh, the the shot. It was it was part of the shot where um, Q slaps Picard. That's not what I, I was in a love hate relationship with, but they do this um, this medium shot with uh, with Picard framed up, and then you can see like part of the vineyard in the background. But like his face is like really washed out for the most part, or it just looks like really it just it's very white, very white, and like you can see like how old he is and I really liked it I really didn't like it at the same time and I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about with that particular shot at all I mean I remember the shot where Q snaps his fingers and there's no like light flash when he does it he just snaps and now we're in a different place that's what I was missing they were looking out at the vineyard right Mm -hmm. but I didn't I didn't pay enough attention to Picard's face in that moment 
I'm glad you said that because I was missing the light flash. That's what I was thinking. I couldn't put my finger on it when he snapped. I was like, there's something just not no, fully. I think, it was, I think it was very effective, right? It's almost like he can't do it. He can't that do the may, flash. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. What if it's what if it's Q's own penance, and he's just like kind of being like passive aggressive with Picard, <laughs> like Q's like done messed up so many times, or like he's, you know, he, not messed up, but like you know he's toyed with enough civilizations that like now he has to go through his, whatever I don't know, don't matter. Yeah, but what would Q be? How would this be Q doing a penance? Like what about this? Is making Q like pay for anything, or I don't know. Maybe it's something like um, what was that, like Deja Q type of thing, right? Where he was made human. Yeah, like maybe it's not like the fact that he's human, but like I don't know. I don't know. Like this is what happens when I think on the fly. Like I shouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I just shouldn't do it. Um, can we talk about the trophy room? Uh, for a second. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um okay, so apparently apparently, you know, like they don't do taxidermy, but they they do like skull collection and skull mounting, uh or at least General Picard does with um random alien species. Uh, uh, nothing random about these people. I know they're not. <laughs> I know they're not. Uh, we got some Borg showing up. We have uh, you, this no-name Klingon. You might have heard of him. Martok. You know, it's fine. Yeah. Some guy named Goldukat. Mm, gave him a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Some Sarek guy. Sarek, That's one yeah. dude. Yeah, there was a random Ferengi. We never learned his name. <laughs> So if you quirk. look, no. <laughs> but okay, but seriously, if you there's um, I, I, I saw a still, and there was the Grand Nagus uh, staff. Oh, okay. So it makes me wonder, just based on this being the year 2400, was is that Rom? Rom? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I mean, I don't know. Is that Rom? Or would yeah. Zek have somehow still been, you know, the the Grand Nagus in this uh, reality? Or maybe it was Quark. Who knows? But there was a Grand Nagus staff that was part of the display for uh, for that Ferengi. Which apparently, for those the those are bones. Like I don't know if you, um, I think Eric probably saw it like in the <laughs> the ready room where they were talking yeah. like, is it cartilage? Is it bone? Like what is it type of thing? Which I would have thought it would have been cartilage. Yeah. To be completely honest. But yeah, um, the the thing that gives me a little concern is that skull for Martok looks more like the California raising Klingons than it does the Klingons of old. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Yeah, we haven't seen a Klingon in Star Trek Picard, have we? No, no, we have not. Haven't <laughs> oh, have we? But like the skull looked so much like, like the freaking crystal skull from Indiana Jones. Like it was just so like, what's the word? Oblong? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I can use a geometry term every now and again. I know math. Yeah, it was. Just, it just looked oblong. Like it looked like it belonged to a California raisin Klingork from Discovery. 
yeah, it was this was a frightening scene to walk mm-hmm. into. Like, oh, oh, okay. Oh shoot. Yeah, and then and then Picard is like, I won't do it, Q. I won't play your games. I won't. I won't do anything for you. And then Q delivers just an amazing line here. Chase, you probably appreciated it. Probably maybe not as much as I did, but he's like, oh, you can stay here like Macbeth and try to wash your bloody hands clean, knowing full well the blood will never come out, or you can or you can try to change the future. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> I, oh, knew, I love Macbeth. <laughs> I knew you were gonna you were going to mention that. As soon as I heard the Macbeth reference, I'm like, okay. But it's this so is gonna be a it's moment. so perfect because it fits oh, yeah. with Picard. It fits with you know Patrick Stewart. I don't know what yep. John Delancey's um, experience with Shakespeare is, but it's just it's like such a great reference in character here. It's like mm-hmm. stay here like Macbeth and try to wash your bloody hands clean. Ah, yep. oh, that was good. That well, damn spot thing. won't come out. <laughs> well, one other quick thing here, just from uh, from the dialogue. He, 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 you know, Picard says, or, he's like, atonement or forgiveness. And then the question is, forgiveness for what? Who is forgiving who needs to be forgiven? I like my little theory that it's actually Picard who has to forgive Q. Not someone who has to forgive Picard. Okay. Or hmm. Picard has to forgive himself. No. No self-forgiveness. <laughs> because that leads to the heart stuff. <laughs> you don't, Do you not have faith of the heart? Only when I watch Enterprise. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, and then Q finally says, but don't worry, I won't let you go through this alone. And right, I think which, that's Q credits, right? Yeah. I think well, we go through this whole scene before we get to the credits. It's rather yeah. long. Yeah. And just real, and I don't want to like belabor the point, but you know, just like real quick, you know, even after the credits, you know, we just we're in back in in Picard's study and Harvey comes in asking about Laris and it, oh, by the way, it's eradication day, and you're about to go meet with the president, and uh, stuff like that. And yeah, to what is the great General Picard being summoned to the office of the president? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's eradication day. Yeah, which I'm guessing is basically like the first contact day of this reality, you know, for the Confederation of Earth, basically. So we find out who the president is, and it just so happens to be. Annika Hansen, a.k.a. Seven of Nine. And uh, she's married to Soji's dad. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I don't know if either of you recognize this actor. Oh, I did John, not. John John Brionis, who's Issa Brionis' dad. Yep. Yeah, I recognized him right away because I've, yeah, I've man. known him from other things. Very cool. Yeah, we didn't no. get Soji or Issa Brionis in this episode, but we got her dad. I just wonder if Soji even exists in in this reality. Well, well, she's listed as part of the main cast, isn't she? I I didn't pay enough attention to the opening credits to see if she to see if she was listed or not. I mean, I, I think she is. I don't know. But, but like, like you know, sometimes on the episode, if she's not, if they're not in it, they won't list them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, 
yeah, so no no eye thingy, no Borg implants. Um, I really liked this whole, like, sensory perception check thing that she did. Like, busting out the lipstick, doing, like, some quick math on the mirror. I hope Eric heard that. Math on the yeah, mirror. Yeah, okay. That, the that needs to be one of your drops. Math! I just need, I need Eric, I need to record Eric saying, I love math, so I can have that as a drop. Yes. <laughs> Put it on the soundboard, right? You got the That's new right. fancy equipment. It's one of the right. pre, pre-push sound buttons. <laughs> I love math. <laughs> <laughs> I just need a, a drop of David saying, no. <laughs> no time. Yeah, so I really like this whole sensory perception check thing, and I find out she's the president and uh, married to the magistrate um, and getting ready for eradication day, and she's just as confused as Picard is about what the devil's going on, right? And just trying to get the skinny of stuff. And as we're working our way through this, we we get another random little bit of fan service. There's a Cisco that's alive and well. General Cisco, but I need information from the front lines. I'll get General Cisco right on it. Nah, I don't want him. I want this guy. I want this rando, this uh, Colonel. Uh, uh, What's his name? Chris Rios. Let's let's get him. And uh, of course, like, sure. Then we cut away to him, and he's off in his old freighter, basically, which is apparently like the what they use as a fleet now in this Confederation. Um, yeah, that was, like, that was strange. That was kind of weird. But I'm, I'm, that's fine. It's fine. And Vulcan is alive and well, by the way. Well, I mean. I mean, it's under assault. It was. From from green-blooded look, people who will boil your brains if you give them a chance. But there's there's no there's no red droplet that's going to, like, you know, make it go bye-bye. You know, there's no Navarre. It's just Vulcan. Yeah, I mean, yeah unification hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, do we don't know if Romulus exists in this universe? We if don't. Supernova had happened, but they make an excellent, excellent cream brulee. Apparently, is what I've heard. No, no. Okay, too soon. It's too soon. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so we're working our way through, like you know, discovering all these, di- like where our characters are basically. And Chris is out there. He's he's like leading the fleet. It's kind of like my impression, in terms of like the the frontline war that's going on. And he's disoriented. We're we're doing some major major damage to uh, all the Vulcans and stuff with the the war and everything. And uh, you know, people carrying out his orders just to like light him up and just decimate him basically. And um, after like a little bit of like, I want to trust you, but I don't know if I should. It's like, oh, okay, I can, I can totally trust you. You're, you're, you're my seven type of thing. Like, you know, she get, he gets hailed by, by Annika and ultimately gets recalled back to earth. And there we go. Um, kind of get into that quick part. Seven probably does the best job of everyone at actually like acting her part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she just sort of naturally steps into the sort of role here because even when she initially contacts Rios she's leery that this might not be her Rios she's like well if there's anything you need to say like any 
anything that's going wrong, you can say it now. It's secure. <laughs> we got this. Yeah, but yeah, Seven also does this great job throughout the episode of basically telling people, how dare you question me? Yeah. Like, because she's the, like, I reminded of that episode with, uh, in Deep Space Nine, where Bashir, you know, he's he's working with all those other like enhanced people, right? And there's the one episode where they impersonate an admiral, mm-hmm. and they're just like the the guy just like that's a dumb question, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> if you're an admiral, just tell people they're asking dumb questions and they'll they'll like let you do anything. Yes. So she's like, how, don't question me, just go. Right. There were what at least like what is it two or three episodes with um I think with there them? Were, there were just two episodes. Yeah, with I them. can recall two. Yeah, I just know that the the lady there was the the original one and then the flowers for Algernon episode. Okay, yeah, I just know that the lady, um, from them from that episode was the same lady that played um, uh, Diva Tox in Power Rangers Turbo. By the way. If, okay. Sure. That's a call. Yeah, that's a call there. Good, good job, Chase. Just thought I'd let you know that, just in case anyone was wondering. Yeah. Power Ranger fans but, listening. And then the next person we meet is Doctor Gerardi here in this timeline, right? And Their she's being woke. Cat. She's being woken up by Pat Oswalt, Spot Seventy Two. <laughs> this makes me wonder now if if Pat Oswalt's gonna like show up at like Star Trek conventions now. <laughs> Well, I, now he can just be on stage as opposed to just being a fan. That's yeah, true. But, but, but like, you, David, you said, like, Seven is doing a great job of fitting in. So she walks in here with the magistrate, and she's like, last time I saw you, you were gazing at the stars. <laughs> <laughs> and Gerardi and all of her awkwardness. The stargazers, that's right, we were there. Oh, wait, um, uh, yeah, I love gazing at the stars. Seven shots. Yelled seven shots. <laughs> Why did you just call her seven? Nah, it's an old college nickname. How do we know she even went to college? Mm. <laughs> oh, goodness. All of her awkwardness here, Gerardi. Yeah. Yeah. I have a thought about something, and part of me kind of hope it hopes it happens, but it probably won't. Like... Whenever, like moments later, it's like, "Hey, bring out the the prisoner" type of thing, and we have the Borg Queen that's withdrawn. M five ten comes comes out of containment. Did you see the look of terror on Seven's face? Oh my gosh, yes, that was. She fantastic. was like afraid, which to me I find surprising because Seven's had a lot of interactions with the Borg Queen, and I don't remember her being like afraid, but there was like a real look of like terror on her face in this moment. Well, even going back to like the, the season opener, right? Like in the, the observation lounge, ready room, wherever they were like having their little meeting, like she was angry and like, we need to shut them down. Right. And like, like we were talking about, um, I think on one of our discovery, um, discussions that anger is a secondary emotion and that the thing that's feeding the anger is the fear. So there's some kind of fear that's that's really motivating all this stuff, whatever that means. Like, we don't know what's happened in the 15, 20-ish years since Voyager came back to the Alpha Quadrant that may or may not have impacted 
her view towards her former captors. Well, I mean, we know that Icha, who she felt as like sure. her child, was murdered, and the XBs were treated really terribly, basically harvested for their parts. And we know she hooked herself up to the Borg cube and like sort of like reassimilated some of the some of the 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 drones that weren't there. So that all of those things probably color her experience and her her attitude here sure sure but yeah we we have the board queen uh not not alice krieger not uh susanna thompson good old annie wershing oh she's fantastic here i thought mm-hmm. i yeah. mean i really thought annie wershing was fan she 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 looked the part she played the part you know, just as Alice Krieg, I don't know how you pronounce it. I say Krieg. You said like Krieger, whatever. I've heard I've heard both Krieg and Krieger. Okay. So I don't know what the proper one is, and like someone out there in like Star Trek land's probably yelling at me as I'm saying it. So that's yeah. fine. No, I thought Annie Wershing was fantastic here. I thought even it was just half of the board queen, like just her torso. Like I thought she was a real menacing presence, right? Yep. The way she came out, and she was like confused at the whole situation too she knew something was wrong but i think that made her even more terrified terrifying because like she didn't quite know what was going on and you know when you back something dangerous into you know some place where they're not familiar with they can be very dangerous mm-hmm. yeah 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 so we'll we'll come back and talk more about the Borg Queen a little bit later well, but, on. But I think it's at this moment I think that it's important that like this is where we learn the information about about what's wrong, isn't it? It's not in the next scene; it's in this scene, isn't it? Y- yes, yes. Sorry, I, I'm thinking of something else that I want to talk about. But yes, yes. The this is the part where we're learning that like um, there's been a fracture and that time has been broken and that reality is all sorts of screwed up and that there's a point of origin which we're going to like get more specific with here in just a little bit essentially but, but the board queen the board queen knows what's up yeah we also learned that there's a watcher is at this moment she says there's the watcher out there and like you have to find the watcher and that's the person who can help you fix this and we're like well who's the watcher is it, yeah, is it Guinan? Well, that's kind of where I was going with Guinan. Like, if she had said the listener, there's the listener. That you, like, that's de- obviously that would be just too on the nose for Guinan, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But we know we know Guinan has been to Earth in the in the past, right? In Time Zero, she was hanging out talking with Mark Twain, yeah, right? Right. Samuel so Clemens. Sam, it's Clemens, boy. Yeah, so, you know, she might, it might be Guinan, it might be somebody else, but I'm just curious to know who the Watcher is. Do you think it's Q? I mean, that would have been where my thought went, because who's been watching humanity? Okay. Okay. And then, uh, just, just another kind of casual thought sort of popped in here. So, with the Queen talking about, you know, this sort of time fracture, what if Q himself is fractured? What if there is a sort of, I hate this, I, I hate this so much, I hate this time crap, but like, what if Q himself being fractured, there is a split of Q in 
our past that we'll eventually see. And then we have sort of, I don't know, present or future Q that was talking to Picard that's trying to reconcile that. What do, you, do you think it's like, I want to take that for a second. Do you think this is like a, like a reverse all good things where there's like two or three fractions, like two different iteration, two or three different iterations of Q and that Picard has to work with all two or three of them to bring him back together? Much in the that, same way that like he had to do like past, present, future with Enterprise and stuff like that. That would be interesting if they could pull yeah. that off. That would be an interesting idea. You have to help someone that has been a thorn in your side for 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which Picard would do out of duty, not necessarily out of maybe love or compassion for the character, I, I think. He, he might. I don't know. That's interesting. There we go. There we go. I have, I have a good thought every now and again, once per episode. That's about it. That's about it. <laughs> um, all right. So there's some, there. if I'm still tracking right, there's some boom booms that are about to happen. Right? We have, we're in Okinawa. Buildings exploding. We have, quote unquote, terrorist insurgent activity that's taking place. Uh, through a um, like what was it like a Romulan uprising type of cell basically uh, random Romulan uh, female uh, running away with Elnor and she gets she, she, she's not going to be in the next episode I mean no. probably not and uh, we fi- we get like some um, species that are being called out right we have uh, one for Cardassia there's uh, Cardassia there's Romulus Vulcan Andoria Bajor? Was Bajor one of them? I can't remember if it was or not. There were like four or five that were named off, and I can't remember the last one. But uh, in the midst of all this, Elnor's getting chased by Starcore, by the way. That's the name of this alternate reality Starfleet is Starcore. Um, And he's surrounded, and Rafi shows up, who's a chief of something, like chief of intelligence? Is Is that what her role is? Yeah, she might be, like, head of the secret police or something like that. Yeah, because, like, she was part of, like, Starfleet intelligence, like, in our reality, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, it would kind of make sense. Like, that would be, like, a fairly easy parallel yeah. transfer, whatever, for reality. Uh, but she she just shoots some people. Like, how is like how are they like not turning their guns on her their their phasers their whatever on her so easily like she's just like blasting these people and like hugging them like what what how is no one seeing this like how is the, how is nothing happening she took them all out there I know no she left. took them all out but like ah never mind she's fast on the draw man I apparently mm-hmm. she's the quickest gun in the sector I guess yep, I but know. then immediately after that she's like hey go along with it and she's like I'm bringing this one in for questioning myself mm-hmm. yep. and through all this let's just kind of like I think we can kind of like fast forward this a little bit you know, like there ends up being like this convergence at HQ ultimately 
uh, where we basically everyone kind of like ends up seeing everyone, right? Like like Picard is there, like Har- like Harvey, like his valet kind of like is there, and he's like sees Elnor being escorted by Rafi, who's also being beaten up by the Star Corps junior ranking folks. Picard dresses him down. Yeah, and then Picard we all en- instantly steps in and, and is able to play the at the general Picard like right. Like, do what I say or I'll smack you around too. Right, and like just like totally nullifies the situation. We're able to like keep everyone together and we end up having like this quick briefing with President Hansen and the magistrate's like still kinda like, What the heck's going on? Like, why aren't we allowing this prisoner here? Like, what what in the world, man? This is weird type of thing. And it's Picard finds out and that like the Borg Queen's there. Rafi's free, kind of like annoyed that freaking Seven is married and stuff like that, which I loved. I thought that was hilarious type of thing, especially after doing the audio drama. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, and this is this next part I have questions about where we all meet up in the lab. Can we talk about this for a second? I don't know about you guys, but from time to time, I actually pay attention to what I'm watching. And this is where I have a problem. And unless I'm just high or something, I need someone to just explain this to me. Okay, so we're there. We're in the courtyard at the Disney Theater, and then we all transport to Gerardi's lab. Okay? Yes. Gerardi and the Borg Queen are there. Okay, they're they're having fun. They're playing spades or whatever they're doing. They're just having a good old time. They beam into the lab. And they're all like taking turns essentially talking to the Borg Queen and they're like, "All right, do you, are, do you want to do you want your reality back where you actually have like all your Borg?" Short answer is yes. Okay, well, Rios is up in the up in space like ready to receive them on the La Serena or whatever it's called in this reality. And all of a sudden they can't beam off the planet because there's apparently some kind of protocol in place where there's no transport function that's available because the, the palace is on high, gar- high alert, high security. Gents, help me. Help me, help me, help me. Inter- How interplanetary versus? Yeah, you can transport inside ex- the compound, right? Yeah. They didn't say that though. Well, they said that, that I mean, they said that tra- be- they said transport function was 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 it wasn't happening. Or, or the difference between a personal transporter and then like a ship based or Chase. Do you want the actual reason why? Plot demands it. The plot demands it. Gah! Yeah, but I don't. I don't think that that's as big a, a plot break as other things we've seen, like say in Discovery, for an example. I mean, because I we we've 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 especially in Discovery, we've made this whole big thing about like personal transporters and 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 transporting everywhere. You know, which I think is absolutely and ridiculous. It's like you can't stairs, you, you can't walk a little bit. I mean, like everybody should be. 900 pounds by that point but they should look like the humans in wally yeah exactly <laughs> just they, it's just yeah exactly well i get they have a calisthenics program it's fine but no i i mean uh, i i get where you're coming from but i i 
I think moving inside of the the compound as opposed to moving out of the planet, you know, off the planet, I think, I don't know. I'm still not like everything to make 100% sense, Chase. This is Star Trek, okay? This isn't the other thing that's in another place that's far away from here, okay? Things got to make sense. There's got to be a reason for everything, you know what I'm saying? We we were more realistic a long, long time ago, and, you know, transporting just isn't a thing. But, you know, you guys just have to make up your own stuff. It's fine. No, that's that's okay. All right. Listen, it's fine. Let's move. It's fine. (laughs) This isn't that big of a deal. To me, it was, though. To me, it was, though. No, here's the deal. The Borg Queen agrees to help them do their slingshot around the sun to go back in time, right? That's essentially mm-hmm. what's going to happen here, right? Pick they don't have whales. They don't have Spock to do the calculations, so they need they don't have data to do the calculations. They need the Borg Queen. She can they can hook her up to the nav computer, right? Pull the coordinates up and do their slingshot around the sun. And so they try to transport out of there. It doesn't work. So the magistrate shows back up. And Agnes Gerardi and her awkwardness. I love this. I don't even I don't even remember what she said, but it was hilarious. She went into a long, rambly, awkward Agnes Gerardi speech, ending up as with the, the 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 seven shots over here and then yeah, as you were. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's been like a middling and annoying character for a season and two episodes, but this was actually pretty fun. Like, I, I enjoyed yeah. her in this episode. Part of me, like, I was thinking this, like, both times, especially, like, the second time I was watching this episode, that, you know, I think all the characters were written for drama, like, a drama series. But then they, like, went over to some, like, random sitcom, and they're like, let's just use, let's just use this one. And they just pulled her up out. And they, they're, they're using a sitcom character in a drama. I swear that's that's what this is with, with Jurati. Like her... Uh, okay, Look, just just keep going. Just keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah. That's great. Anyway, anyway, Borg Queen gets pulled back into her captivity so she can be put out in public display to be killed. Magistrate comes in and says, You two, we need you up on the promenade. Right out in Disney Park or whatever you called it, Chase. Mm-hmm. Well, it is the Disney Theater. Okay. Right. So they're they're in um, Los Angeles Hollywood area. So I mean, there we go. Um, yeah. So it's it's time for for General Picard, the the Borg Slayer, to to earn his name, right? And. Uh, but and we get this rousing speech by President Hansen to the Confederates about eradication day and what a wonderful joyous day it is and throughout all this especially towards the end you know we see Picard doing some like fist yeah. pumps like, just kind of like, like goading yeah. him on playing to the crowd yeah yeah come on yeah. cheer on and event and it's, it's not happening. Like they're just trying to like milk it, like so they can like beam the heck out of here. And it's just not happening. And the crowd's like starting to turn on them. And uh, yeah, the magistrates kind of getting like, like what? Why, why isn't why hasn't he done like the shooty shoot like the pew pew yet type of thing? And as they're trying to get beamed by time to get beamed out of there, 
Agnes is trying to like deactivate the whatever the transport inhibitor or whatever it is and her and Rios have picked that time to have their little heart to heart post uh, oh, post breakup yeah. like argument oh, we're about, doing how, this now. about how none of them wants to share their feelings and they weren't open with each other <laughs> meanwhile down in the basement we have Rafi doing some stuff and Elnor is just getting beat up and uh, until the very last second, where apparently the com badges in this reality are also ninja stars for crying They're out very, loud. Very, very sharp. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. In addition to being big paperweights, you could throw at someone and knock them out. You can apparently slit someone's throat with the pointy end. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and then, like, I think this was like. I think this is the only thing I rolled my eyes at. Like, really? Like, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But just like Rafi just saying, show off. Like, in that scene. Like, that. I think that was, like, the only thing in this episode that just rubbed me the wrong way. Like, truly rubbed me the wrong way. Well, there was a point you know, earlier where Eleanor did his absolute candor thing. It was like, that's a really great supposition there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um... Ultimately, though, it works, and we do we are able to beam everyone up onto the La Serena with Rios, including the Borg and her fish tank, the Borg Queen and her fish tank, and just when we're about to catch our breath... Rios is like, you want to beam... Say that again. For a second, I thought you said uh, you wanted to beam the Borg Queen up with you. Yep. Yeah, that's what we said. Uh, What? Don't worry, don't worry. It's fine. It's and fine. Then, oh yeah, and we're gonna and we're gonna plug her into the the ship too. Into it's the nav be great. computer. David didn't comment when I said that, right? I need to plug you in, like they need to plug C three PO in to talk to the computer. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> okay. Well, and then Gerardi goes to plug the board queen in. It's like, no, no, it'll be okay. Don't worry about it, Rios. I got it's, this. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It'll be fine. And, uh, yeah, just, just before we can really catch our breath and, like, thinking we're about to get the heck out of there, we have the magistrate and two no-names being bored. Why didn't you raise your shields, dude? For real skis. First rule of transporting. You always raise your shields up. Raise your shields if you don't want someone to hop on board. I'm just saying. And, um... And then we're we're, we're uh, we well, have guns pointed at Picard and company, didn't they? I think I thought they said something like they used did they was it was override. it the override? Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever it was, great, cool. There's a reason they're on board. Anyway, just when we think that we're about to get the heck out of Dodge, there's guns pointed at Picard and everyone else, basically. And I wonder what what your plaque will say, Picard. Traitor. And uh, dun dun dun. Yeah, to be Elnor, continued. Elnor gets Elnor shot, shot though. Yeah. yeah, there's that too. And is laying on the ground, and Rafi looks very motherly concerned. With green blood all over the place. Yep. And, and then uh, it does not say to be continued, but essentially. But it's to the be. Mu- the music does the the to be continued. What a callback that would have been. Last time on Star Trek Picard. <laughs> Which they will do, by the way. <laughs> anyway, that's 
Good. I think that was like the quick one of the quickest recaps we've done. Just yeah, now. I mean, it was a pretty yeah, straightforward it episode. It really was. Like everyone has to meet up with each other, and we have to figure out how to get out of here and fix time. It's really the you know why I think it was shorter is because we didn't have to nitpick the living crap out of it for another hour. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Our well, biggest nitpick was the shield thing or the uh, transporter thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Gee, mm-hmm. When an episode is well written. We can get through these things faster. <laughs> that, that's that's too much of a tell, though. Listeners are like, well, this episode's super long, so it must mean they hate it. <laughs> well, I mean, but we just recorded the last Discovery episode. That was pretty long, and I think we were all pretty, pretty we, yeah, high we, we on spoke that pretty, episode. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah. Yep. So... Anyway, any um, any final comments, thoughts, whatever on the episode before we move into any kind of evaluation of the episode? I don't think so. No? No. Okay. I don't... I mean, I hate to say it again, but I just don't know if we should really throw in Delta with this show. I mean, you could maybe do some command right now. Like, yeah. you know, with Picard, you know getting the team back together and becoming the leader and getting the plan right and convincing every, and and then maybe like seven of nine falling into the role of the president and commanding people and you know convincing the board queen to go along with it so like maybe you can do some command there but really i mean engineer i guess maybe you could say engineering they figure out a way to get through the the transport inhibitor right but yeah I don't know if it's really all that constructive to go through the deltas this is more like a like a a sectioned off movie than what like you know like Discovery is is attempting to be like a, a show show that just has a continuing arc this feels more like movie territory so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well we might we will um, I don't want to say that we're going to just outright pause on the Delta for this show like I mean if we want to like just say like hey this is probably noteworthy um, because like this is a it's a different type of Star Trek right like we're not doing like straight up Starfleet type Star Trek if that makes sense so I think I think we can point to and say like, "Hey, that's that's there." Like, like we can highlight it if we want to, but I don't think we need to necessarily feel obligated to do it. Like, maybe we we've been doing with the other shows, like with Prodigy, Lower Decks, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, with that, let's go ahead and let's just move right into the numerical rating, shall we? So, on a scale of one to ten, one being a dumpster fire, ten being absolutely amazing. Um, how would we rate this show? All right, well, Eric, you want to kick us off? Sure. I, I think okay. this is not the mirror universe, right? This is some alternate timeline. There's still some different inciting event, right, that causes this different timeline. So we all know how I feel about the mirror universe, right? I'm not a fan of it, like, at all. I think it's mm. been way too overused in this new era of Trek, Right, Discovery yep. just beat it with the. I would say they took the horse, beat it dead, picked up the dead horse, 
beat another horse with to death with it, right? <laughs> they just like it was like ridiculous how much they just went to the mirror universe. This is not that, but it's it's the same kind of idea, right? And we mentioned the yesterday's enterprise of it all, right? Q mentioned that. It was a nice little callback to a great episode of, you know, an alternate timeline where, you know, you had a, a militaristic federation because of one event that changed. And I think we're all ecstatic about the Yesterday's Enterprise episode. We think it's just fantastic. At least I, at least I do. Um, but, man, I just don't like this this fascistic, right, alternate reality that we find our characters being a fish out of water in. I just, I don't like it. It's overused. Um, yeah, and I get that, like, science fiction is supposed to make parallels to the real world, and there can be some moments you could point here that if you're trying to make a point, this relates to the our world that we're living in right now. But I just don't like it. Um, but that being said, and I don't, and like, Broken Time is also not my favorite storyline, right? I know it's not David's David. favorite storyline either. I don't hate it as much as David does because <laughs> I love Back to the Future Part 2, right? With the broken, the broken timeline in the future, I think, is really a fantastic story. Um, but that being said... There's a lot to like in this episode because it's fantastic world building. We get this incredibly world built in the span of like 30 minutes, basically. Right. Um, I thought Q at the beginning of this episode was fantastic. I thought John Delancey slipped right back in and it felt like Q. I love the interplay between him and Picard at the beginning. Um, it, the episode looked fantastic. Right, it looked fantastic. I thought the cinematography was was great throughout this entire episode. Um, so it was a well made episode. I think it worked as a story, and while it's not my favorite type of story, I did I did feel a little bit at the end. Oh well, we're ending it here. I would have liked to end at a different point, but that's just nitpicking. Um, and this is a good, solid episode. It's it's better than almost everything we've seen from Discovery. Is it as good as last week's episode? Certainly not. But it's it's a solid episode, and I want to like put my own feelings about the the alternate fascistic you know society. Push those aside. And I'm just gonna go ahead and give this episode a solid eight. Okay. How about you, David? Uh, well, so I, I, I enjoyed the episode as it, as it sits, and I think it was, um, kind of on the strength of, you know, good acting, and then as Eric kind of mentioned, um, pretty good world building as, as well. Uh, I'm also not usually a huge fan of, of plugging in a bunch of, like, uh, subtle references to other things a lot because I think sometimes it becomes a little heavy-handed although a lot of the subtlety was lost it was all very heavy-handed like you know just 
Oh yeah, it's Gal Dukat. You know, it's fine. We 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 pointed <laughs> these things out very poignantly. But you know, it, I kind of enjoyed it. I I I just enjoyed myself a lot. Um, but I I, I don't enjoy the, the the continued sort of thing that we're seeing because it's like you know, Chase. We've read books. How many books have we read lately that are messing with time? And it's not just Star Trek. It's a lot of different fandoms right now that are just doing stuff with time. And uh, it's funny because, like, I I was I remembered um, a short story that I read back in school. I actually found it, which is amazing. But uh, it's called A Sound of Thunder. I don't know if you got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Sound of Thunder. Basically, it was it was 2055 where effectively time travel was uh, a possibility, and you could go back and see stuff. I think in this one, because I, I didn't go back and like reread it, but I, I'm only going off a of very old memory. But they went back to see dinosaurs, and you yeah. had a path that was effectively uh, scoped out. Don't go off the path. This is the only safe path that doesn't screw with the timeline. And if I remember correctly, one of the guys steps on a butterfly. And the act of stepping on a butterfly has this ripple effect across time. And when he returns back to, in quotations, his time, he realizes all of these subtle changes that have happened. And then eventually the sound of thunder was inferred to mean that the guy shot himself because he is just so out of this this particular timeline. So I remember that very poignantly. And I remember thinking as a child, like, God, that sounds stupid. How would one stepping on one butterfly affect everything? I mean, so we're, we're saying that the conditions were right to create a butterfly, but only one. Did butterflies back then reproduce asexually? There was never a circumstance where another butterfly was created? So anyway, when we look at sort of the, 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 the thread, or when I look at the thread of, of what we're what we're saying in this episode is one change in 2024, which was the date. I don't know if we actually mentioned that date throughout there, but that was that was the date that we were looking at. One date, 2024, one event. That's what the Borg Queen revealed, and that's when they talked about the, the Watcher. And conceivably, I take that as potentially Q making a change in 2024. Like, how many times have I had to hear this like exact same story? And that, that's, that's what kind of irritates me about the potential of the series. Although, if my initial theory does pan out, I would really enjoy that as an endgame thing to the series because we can fix it. But also, how... Maybe I'm completely wrong here, but how arrogant is it to think that just as a human, we can have one change that will literally set in motion everything else changing remarkably dramatically. Like how, it, it feels to me a smack of arrogance in our in our individual importance that that would inherently change every single thing in the mm. entire universe. And then in this one, it's a huge change. Whatever was changed was such a huge change that the course of human history devolved into an ultra militaristic, uh, genocidal, xenophobic. Z- yeah, xenophobic massacre of, of all alien species based upon human superiority. And I and I understand we we look at 
events of today and feelings of the time in which something is written and a lot of, a lot of people taken blah 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 I'm not going to talk about it but like it, it, it's a storyline that's super super crazy played out and that's why I hate it in, in some courses and, and also just in my perception solely my perception I won't put my opinions in other people's mouths but my perception of the arrogance of in this case basically a writer that would say that this one tiny thing is going to unravel us, unravel us all. Because it's not just Picard, it is everyone. Everyone that led up to Picard that has centrally unraveled the very fabric of humankind. So anyway, but to the episode, I really enjoyed it. I actually, because I'm not a huge Q guy either. I know you, you guys enjoy Q a lot more. I know Eric, you enjoy Q a lot more. I, I really enjoyed their conversation. I thought it was fun. It made me think about stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it the way the, the episode looked was amazing. The way the acting went down, I thought was great. Uh, even Gerardi and her awkwardness, I thought was, you know, it was kind of cute in its own little way. Just, you know, just a touch. Just a, just a little sprinkle. Not too much. Just a sprinkle and then I'm good. Um, but was it as good as last week's episode? No. And I said this, that... Last week's episode I really loved, and I only gave it an 8.8. 8. I would actually potentially bump that to a 9, and I think I said this. I think I'd have to reevaluate it. I would probably bump that to a 9 because I really did enjoy it a lot. Um, but this this episode is, is a little lower, but not terribly lower because I still really enjoyed it. Like, I actually really enjoyed it uh, in its own little bubble. I'm just curious about how we're going to go forward, and I really, really hope that their payoff is fun. Like, please give me a fun payoff. Don't give me some, you know, faith of the heart thing, because I, I, I need I need a series to give me something. I mean, Prodigy was so fun, it was so good. Everything about that was such a fun thing. Give me one, give me one that just really makes me smile a bit. Let, let me smile at Star Trek again. Live action, Star Trek. So sure. just strictly for this, I was thinking like an eight five. Okay. So just to, just to clarify, David, are you revising the Stargazers rating from yes. an eight eight to a nine? Correct. I would okay. revise that. Yes. Okay. I have updated it. Sweet. Okay. So I I never know when David watches uh, watches like the Discovery and the the Picard stuff. Uh, for all the listeners out there, but I know that Eric, for the most part, gets up early and and watches the stuff. Well, I um, have been the past couple of weeks because yeah, I, for Picard, for Discovery, I just wait until the evening normally. Sure. So um, sometimes, like, I text the guys and I try and be be cryptic about like when I'm watching it, so I, like I don't potentially spoil anything, like because I don't know, like, if er- Eric, like, like if his like schedule goes sideways and he's not able to watch it or if David watches it you know early in the morning or on lunch break or in the evening whatever because like you know he's creating content for his podcast too which by the way go check out the contingency plan if you're a Star Wars fan great podcast by the way um, so I was <laughs> I sent Eric this uh, this text uh, and, and he was very gracious with me um, after I sent it and um, and I was like, hey, I thought I'd send this to you separately. Why in the world does Kurtzman um, 
have such a hard-on for militaristic, warmongering, alternate realities. I'm quite sick of it. And, um, <laughs> and Eric was like, I get that. Hopefully we'll move away from it soon. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, yes, please. Please, let's move past this. Like, Star Trek is not all about freaking, like, alternate realities. It's not. Like, it's it should be a rare thing. Right, it should be just like a little droplet that you get every now and again. That's it. That's it. Um, so I'm not as upset with the the Confederation. In fact, in a way, the Confederation of Earth was. Uh, I think more, it, it was received for me. It was received a lot better than just like another mirror thing being thrown in and um, I like seeing you know the characters where they were and just kind of seeing where things were um, kind of like Eric like I, I'll, I'll get over like the nitpick stuff like the transporting thing and even like the California Raisin Klingon skull like I'll get over that too um, apart from like this being like a like a diet mirror universe type of setting I, I did enjoy this uh, last week, I gave uh, the premiere episode of the Stargazer a 9-2, and um, I did come into this with um, with a particular number, and I'm going to just stick with it. Um, it's not anywhere near as high. Uh, it's not it's not as high, I should say, as what I gave last week. Uh, but good, solid episode. Um, I remember both times, for both episodes, like looking up and I'm like, holy cow, the episode's over? And that is not something that I've done with, like, you know, Discovery. Or uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Lower Decks. Like, sometimes I am looking at my watch like, man, is this 20 minutes over yet? Type of thing. And uh, love Prodigy. Love Prodigy so so stinking much. So the fact that I really enjoyed it, the story was just really solid. Like, it was just really tight. I love being able to see, like, some Q Picard conversation, a little bit of banter, even if it was an unwell cue. Uh, really, really good stuff. Um, kind of continuing along with what the, the gents are saying. And for me, like I said, I gave I gave the Stargazer a 9-2. I came into this thinking a 9, and I'm going to leave here with a 9. So I'm just going with a 9 on this one. I really I really liked it. So okay, maybe, um, I mean, like I thought, I didn't think we were all going to be that high. I was like, 8 just seems right. Man, you guys were a lot, a lot higher on that. It's okay, it's okay. Which, interestingly enough, by the way, the last I haven't, I didn't look at the um, IMDb since we started um, our discussion on this episode. But um, the last time I did see it, though, IMDb had this particular episode at an eight five, mm-hmm. and with our three scores averaged out, it is an eight five. By the way, so there we go. Yeah, if you gave it a nine and I gave it an eight. That average is to eight point five, and David gave it an eight point five. So I'm like, that one's an easy Extra one. Extra That one's an easy one to figure out. There we 8. go. Eight point five with a star. That's right. Bonus. Good finishing move. They're right there. So um, yeah. Anyway, so um, good job, guys. Eight from Eric. Eight and a half from David, and a nine from uh, from me, with an overall episode average of an eight point five. So. Um, 
I'm really liking the fact that we're we're off to a good start with Picard for crying out loud. You know, like not just that, but like let's give some credit where credit's due. Like the last episode of even Discovery, we gave it like a higher rating. Like the fact that we've been able to give higher ratings on the last two ish um two ish episodes is good. Like I like being able yeah. to give higher ratings for crying out loud. And that, I think that was um Eric's um closing idea last time. You know? Yeah, it's like doesn't it feel good to watch a Star Trek episode, enjoy it, come here and talk about it how much we enjoyed it, and then give it a high rating. Mm-hmm. And to not give out a five or something. <laughs> right. Or a good or old fours. chase three or yeah, something. Yeah, doesn't that like just that feel now. good, right? To give it out does. nines and eight and a halves. <laughs> like, you know what? It does. I last week's episode wasn't an eight point eight. Last week's episode was a nine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord have mercy. Well, before we get out of here, y'all know what's about to happen. Let's talk about the Twitter poll. So um, I, of course, did a a, a little doohickey where I asked the people of Twitter land uh, this particular question. Who do you prefer as the Borg Queen after Alice Krieg, or Krieg, however you pronounce it, originated the role? Susanna Thompson or Annie Wershing? Well, okay, so Alice Alice Krieg, she played the Borg Queen in um, First, First Contact, Contact and Endgame. And, Endgame. Right. and then Susanna Thompson played it in... Dark Frontier, Dark Frontier and Unimatrix Zero. Okay. Right? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Sounds I right. That, I think that sounds right. Yeah. And then Annie Wershing has played the Borg Queen in this episode and the trailers. Yeah, and we don't know if that was her behind the mask last week or not. We don't, right? We, I, I would like to think. I would like to think it was, but you know. I think it's seven. Yeah, there's there was has to be a reason for putting the mask on that character. Yeah. I'm just looking that up. Susanna Thompson was definitely in Dark Frontier. Unimatrix Zero was that it's actually an episode that I hate, by the way. Okay. Alright. But that we can save that for another discussion. Yeah, we can. Um Yeah. Definitely Susanna Thompson in um and you know, Matrix Zero as well. And okay. Alice Creed came back for Endgame, didn't she? Yeah. So, do y'all want the results? Oh, I have to give my pick, right? Yes. Yeah, Who since do I you're, prefer? Uh, Alice Creed or Susanna Thompson? No, no, Susanna Thompson or Annie Wershing. Yeah, Susanna Thompson or Annie Wershing. Um. I, I thought Annie Wershing was fantastic in this one episode here. I know it's just one episode, but I really liked the way she played this character. Um, I mean, Susanna Thompson was in, what, four four episodes? Two two-part episodes? Right. Annie Wershing is here in one episode? Yeah, I, you know I'm going to go with Annie Wershing. Right, I really like okay. And this has nothing to do with my bias towards the other character she is famous for playing. Renee Walker. What? <laughs> what? R.I.P. <laughs> it's too soon. Too soon. Oh, it's 
Stop. Stop. <laughs> I was out. We were out. He could have just left us alone. Oh, man. David, do you want to you weigh in on this at all? No, I, I agree with Eric. Okay, very good. All right. So after a, a whole list of hashtags that I, I attached to this particular poll tweet thing, here's what we got. With 36.4% of the vote, the loser of this was Susanna Thompson, which means 63.6% went to Annie Wershing. So there we go. Yeah, there might be there some recency bias in that, but I, I was thinking that too. Like we we got some like recency effect going on right now mm-hmm. for sure. So And maybe and truthfully, maybe no one knew. Maybe, maybe there there are some out there that legitimately don't know about Susanna Thompson. Well, I mean, it's clearly a different character. When you watch mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's a different board queen, but it's you can when you watch Dark Frontier it's clearly a different. You can clearly tell it's a different actress than mm-hmm. from First Con, the movie First Contact. Sure. All right. Well, that's it. That is it, y'all. We'll be uh, we'll be back next time to talk more about, you know, more Discovery and more uh, more Star Trek Picard here in the the next few days or so. Uh, obviously, we're coming up on the uh, season four finale of Star Trek Discovery, so don't miss that. All of our questions will be answered. Obviously, with a big old bucket of exposition dump right on our forehead. <laughs> Just saying. And um, apart from that, then the adventures will continue um, exclusively with Star Trek Picard. So Until the, f- the finale of Picard, where there, I think there's going to be another double dip week. Yeah, that'll be the the same week that um, um, Strange New Worlds premieres on uh, May 5th, I believe. So, um, anyway, let's get the heck out of here. That's it. That's the show, y'all. We did it. Goodness. We're ending kind of early. I feel like I should, like, milk this some more, like another, like, 20, 30 minutes or so. No, this this is is a good, solid length right here. Okay, that's cool. (laughs) Let's, Let's end this. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to learn more about the show, ways to support the show, uh, first off, tell a friend. Um, tell tell your friends, um, your 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 Star Trek friends, your non Star Trek friends about this show. Um, in fact, not just about this show, but tell them about you know David's show too over um, in Star Wars Land, doing um, the contingency plan. Like I think they're doing a lot of um, books right now. I think they're kind of staying away from comics, if I'm not mistaken, at this point. Correct. Um, so, but great, great content, and I know, like, if you're into um, the, the live-action shows, the animated shows, they're going to be covering those, too, especially when Obi-Wan comes out later on. So, little little cross-fandom promotion. We're, we're very thankful that David is willing to, to hang out and play with us as much as he does uh, while running his own show. So, thank you very much, David, for that. I, I do sincerely appreciate it. I know how crazy you can get with running a podcast. So, anyway. And, um, and my friend Eric for just, you know, like, showing up whenever he feels like showing up to talk about Trek. I so mean, I'll show up every time. There we go. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, if you do want to learn about more about the show, check us out, trtvpod.com. We're on all the things, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at trtvpod. Uh, if you do want to support the show, like you want to throw a couple bucks at us and keep the lights on, you know, keep the dilithium charged and, and well supply, uh, you can do that through patreon.com, patreon.com slash these are the voyages. Uh, other than that, uh, if you want to, you know, get in contact with us, uh, make sure you open up Hailing Frequencies and send us an email to 
trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit um, before the, I don't know, people beam aboard and try and shoot us with, like, a phaser or something. Um, uh, if you do want to mail us something, like the skull of a Borg, that's cool. Make sure it gets to the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.